0: I know many of you were clamoring through the night for an Emerge-A-Pop, but because we knew it would be all settled by, what time is it, 8.59 in the morning on Friday, March 8th, we knew, i.e. we were both sleeping, uh, that the Antonio Brown fiasco would be closed and done with and the bills would be moving on. This is why we waited, but we're here for you now. We we've got you. And the Antonio Brown trade that was and wasn't all at once. Antonio Brown, um, as of around a little before midnight on Thursday, was uh, you know on the cusp of becoming a member of the Buffalo Bills, and then out of nowhere, multiple reports refuted the initial report. Then it came down as to whether or not Antonio Brown actually wanted to come to Buffalo. And then uh, the talks were dead, where Brandon Bean released an official statement, which is a very rare thing, especially when it comes to trading for a player. Rare
1: around the league, but I would say Brandon Bean does typically, if it calls for it, come out to make a statement like that. Yeah, to get ahead of it. He's probably more accessible than any general manager in football, but... League wide it is not necessarily normal to be like, hey, we did this but it it didn't work out. Right. And so that kind of official squashing is noteworthy at seven in the morning. Oh uh, <laughs> certainly. Know, on uh a, on a, a Friday morning. What day is it? Friday? Yeah. I was we were talking before this. I didn't even know what the hell day it was. Uh, this has kind of thrown me all off. Here.
0: Right, because there are a a lot of things to kind of unfold here with with this whole thing that popped up at around 11.40 p.m. on Thursday and now is dead by the time we are now talking to you. But a, one part of it is the timeline. Another part of it is the potential fit with the team. The other part of it is the Bills' thinking behind actually trying to make a move of this magnitude and how it relates to... What we know about them, or what we thought we knew about them, uh, going into this off and and what they value. So just so many things, but you know, not to not to really piss off our fans right right at the the get go. You said right before we started recording, hey, we could even get into how it probably would have been fun to to, to see um, Antonio Brown operating with a. A, a game josh Allen that
1: likes to uh
0: you know spread the ball around and and push the ball maybe when he's not even supposed to.
1: Obviously we've all thought about the Antonio Brown possibility of Antonio Brown at some point this offseason. Right. Um, fans probably even more so because the idea of a guy like Josh Allen throwing to Antonio Brown the fit is perfect on the football field like I think the skill sets match up beautifully and I mean who wouldn't want the best wide receiver in the NFL on their team so you know it would it made sense from that standpoint and they had the money and all of it would have it would have worked if Antonio Brown wanted to come here because and re- realistically, If you're Antonio Brown, I I mean, I get why you would say, you know, here you are in the prime of your career with not a lot of years of your prime left. You've been playing in AFC title games. You've been on a contender playing with a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Why would you want to go three hours north and play for a team that might be a couple years away from reaching its peak with a quarterback who may or may not ever get to, you know, the point where he is a pro Bowl player. I get that but from the same token, what are your other options? Mm-hmm. think about the other named other teams we've heard pop up Washington. Now quarterbacked by Case Keenum, ooh, hey, and Colt McC- or Colt McCoy. I don't know about you, but I'm or be- Alex Smith. If a, a miracle, a, a medical miracle happens, he's not
0: even that. I, yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm am, I'm am hype for the Case Keenum Colt McCoy quarterback
1: competition this summer. It will probably be. It's going to go down like in history. The, the John Beck. Uh, who did John Beck compete with? Cleo Lemon. Uh, back was it? in the day, Patrick Ramsey ooh, that was slinging the rock. Pat Ramsey, I mean,
0: former Washington quarterback. That girl.
1: is, uh, yeah. So Washington was mentioned, Oakland was mentioned, and Oakland is terrible, and Derek Carr is not that good. And so I can get the perception, at least you're in California, maybe Vegas in a couple or definitely Vegas in a couple years if you can hang around that long, uh, which not many people have luck doing in Oakland. And Tennessee was mentioned, quarterback who has nerve damage in his arm, Mm. Uh, I mean... It's not like you're a free agent if you're Antonio Brown. You don't just get to pick and choose. And this is clearly a guy who's a bit unhinged. Uh, you know, he's a little bit off his rocker at this point. The way he's been behaving throughout the off season. And if you're a free agent wide receiver who can hand pick where he's going to make all this money that Antonio Brown is going to make because he's got a pretty good contract, you'd probably pick the Steelers really high on that list. Right, they're a competitor. And they have a future Hall of Fame quarterback. And they've got Juju Smith-Schuster playing opposite you. I mean... They have a win-now window. You've got Mike Tomlin, who seems like a pretty good guy to play for. That's where this whole thing with Antonio Brown, which we obviously haven't discussed on the podcast in depth because we don't cover the Steelers, but the whole thing to me never made sense of, where do you think you're going to go that's better than that? New England is probably one of the only places you could say, yeah, that's a better situation. And, and it might end up happening. That's the last thing that Bills fans need is for those guys to come True. in at the 11th hour and get them for a second-round pick. But, you know, it's, it was, you know, when you imagine it, Josh Allen throwing to Antonio Brown. If Antonio Brown were Larry Fitzgerald personality-wise mm-hmm. or A.J. Green or anyone who's not a complete asshole— for lack of a better term, uh, (laughs) then it would be great for his development to have a guy like that. Right. And it would be a lot of fun to watch. And quite frankly, the city would have loved him. I mean, like, people would have loved him. People would have loved watching him. And my guess is he probably would have come around to liking it too, just like Lashawn McCoy didn't want to come here. I mean, the stories are endless of guys who didn't want to come here. Jim Kelly, who is the closest thing to a deity here in Orchard Park didn't want to come here. So yeah. it's not a new problem that they have. And it's also not an unwarranted one, as we mentioned, for a lot of reasons. They're not a, an immediate contender. And there's a lot of questions about whether Josh Allen is going to be that guy. But, man, it would have been kind of fun to watch him. Yeah. As we said, we we got, what, about half a season of a healthy Sammy Watkins? and. <sighs> About six quarters of a healthy Percy Harvin. Other than that, we haven't got to see many wide receivers who do that whole get open. Thing. Yeah, it's the separation part that that uh, I mean. He is an
0: incredible route runner, and the way that he sets defenders up is just so much fun to watch. And wide receiver geeks can can watch the way that his footwork is used against defenders, and it's like, holy holy crap, this guy is outstanding. And he was kind of a, like, he's a complete anomaly based on how he tested back in the combine. Did you, have you looked back and saw the numbers from him? I mean, he was, he had uh, small arms, small hands, his 40 time wasn't great, His, uh, his agility drills were terrible, his explosive scores were awful, but somehow, this guy, who is a late-round pick, has worked himself into being one of the best players in the NFL. The, and he would have been an immediate, immediate upgrade to everything the Bills possibly could have found on the free agent and market in the draft. Money. And they've got plenty of money. However, the the one part that I think, we, since we're reveling in what it could have been, I think this also leads us to the more impactful part of this discussion as to okay where do the Bills actually think they are because now it has gone from okay well last year they bit the bullet and they knew they were going to suck they were hoping to make strides with some of their young players and here you go this year the way that was building up anyway was that okay well start to build around Josh Allen and then work for that uh, that sustained window of success. But if you go out and get Antonio Brown, you better be damn sure you're competing right away. So what is it for Brandon Bean here? Is it is it that he believes that they can make it to the playoffs as early as this year? Because that is a move certainly indicative of one thing. Or is it him, and I think another factor of this discussion that we have to push in here, is whether or not uh, whether or not the compensation for Antonio Brown, if it would have been substantial. Because there are two things that Brandon Bean really, really values in terms of how to build his roster. One being draft picks and building through the draft, which he has said time and time and time again. And the second being all of the cap space that he has built for himself because they effectively punted on 2018 in order to bring in an Antonio Brown, at least so it would indicate, or at least what the Steelers wanted, it would be a substantial draft pick and a substantial amount of the cap room that you just took a year to create for yourself. But for Bean, I think knowing how he likes to take advantage of values, I think it would have to be that the comp- the compensation in trade wouldn't have been as great as, uh, as maybe what the Steelers would have wanted it to be. So just a lot of different f- thoughts that flow through your head, but I think what their their vision of themselves is the one thing that really kind of gets pushed here.
1: You know, I think the immediate knee-jerk response is this is totally unlike them because Antonio Brown is not, quote-unquote, process guy, whatever you want to say. But I think the more we talk about this, the more we discuss it, this fits Brandon Bean's MO pretty well. He's aggressive. He, we know he's really aggressive. He's not afraid to trade. And my whole thing, because obviously I'm sure you were asked a million times on the radio and wherever else uh, if they would go after Antonio Brown. Yeah, of course. And my reservations were, number one, you know, obviously on the surface he's not quite their type of guy. But I n- never dismissed that out of hand because, I mean, they went and got Duke Williams on a futures deal. Uh, which is obviously a lower risk move, but that guy has a checkered pass. They have some guys with with issues. They're not bringing in a ton of choir boys here. So um, that's even a quote I believe he used. right. So that you know was okay, check that one off. that's immediately gives you some reservation. My number one issue with it from the start was the price tag is not going to you know be something Brandon Bean is willing to to do. He's not going to give up the number nine pick for Antonio Brown. Yeah, that's a non-starter I, I for I never him. thought that he would do that. But, straight up. Straight, straight up. up yes. Straight up. But, you know, as you go along, this is a... Brandon Bean is seeing what everybody else is seeing. All right, the price is coming down on Antonio Brown a little bit. Let's see how much the price is coming down. And if it's coming down enough, then it's worth the risk. And I think... But the, the thing that I always got down to with people who wanted to talk about this, wherever it was out in bars or on the radio was if you're Antonio Brown and you do not want to play for Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, where they're going to contend for a Super Bowl every year until Ben Roethlisberger retires, why in the world would you want to come to Buffalo? And it's not a knock on the city or anything else. It's, it doesn't make sense. And to the point we discussed earlier, where the hell do you want to go if you don't <laughs> want to play yeah, there totally New fair. England is an upgrade at this point obviously Kansas City would be an upgrade I bet you he's holding out
0: hope for one of the one of like two three maybe four teams. Green Bay probably was one of them and Green Bay reportedly is out of these discussions entirely
1: and then I mean New England, Kansas City who you just brought up with but- LA the Rams but I I mean the- with what money exactly the Chargers <laughs> I don't know how the financials would work out for any of these teams but you can maybe name half a dozen that I guess would be on equal footing to Pittsburgh but man if you can't you know play ball with Ben Roethlisberger and it did work for a while mm-hmm. I just never thought you know, would Antonio Brown want to come to Buffalo? And that's always going to be a sticking point in deals like this because, you know, obviously Doug Whaley wheeled and dealed and brought in LaShawn McCoy without ever thinking about whether McCoy wanted to come to Buffalo. Right. But you know Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott would want to make sure that Antonio Brown would be on board with that type of thing. And that was the number one thing, the, the final thing that, you know, made you think, even if Brandon Bean, you know, wanted to get aggressive, That they would have to check that box. And obviously none of us can get inside Antonio Brown's head. And quite frankly, I don't know if I'd want to. It seems <laughs> like a, a bit of a, a, a crazy place to be right now. But mm-hmm. if you could, the only thing it would be, man, how bad do you want out of Pittsburgh? Because if you're willing to come play for a young quarterback and a team that's not going to immediately contend, then you, it's really about you know your happiness it's really about how you don't feel you know respected in in Pittsburgh and Christ they they if TO got a key to the city 10 years ago then i don't know what Antonio Brown would have got if he, he came here he would have he would have gotten, gotten a parade
0: he would have gotten every male perhaps female uh, growing a mustache
1: and dying it blonde yeah. that's what would have happened Yeah, it would have been chaos. Would he—I don't know if he would have liked it here or, you know, if he would have grown to love it. Because I don't know what—again, I I don't know what's in his head. I don't know if he's thinking, I want to win a Super Bowl next year. Because if he is thinking that, he probably would have sucked it up and stayed in Pittsburgh. Now, if he's thinking, I want to go somewhere and be the man and be respected and put up crazy numbers again, I I don't really know what—the whole thought process of Antonio Brown— doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I don't I don't know what pissed him off so bad. And it's hard to see where this whole thing went sideways. And if it's literally he wants to play anywhere but Pittsburgh, clearly it isn't, right. uh, then he would have come here. Or maybe he's overestimating how many teams are interested in him. A couple of things here. Um, Pittsburgh's GM apparently talked to the
0: media a couple of weeks ago and said Antonio Brown will not uh, have – have any dictation rights whatsoever in, in trade talks. Well, that, there goes that. Secondly, um, one of my favorite things said about Antonio Brown this entire offseason and the entire buildup, uh, I was listening to uh, Bill Simmons' podcast, and Bill Simmons put it succinctly, it all started going wrong for Antonio Brown after he went on The Mask Singer, which is yeah. quite quite a clear view of, like, because he... Okay, my my girlfriend and I watched that show because, you know, filler TV, whatever, what have you. Watching how happy he was to be on that program was incredible to me. A, they got, like, C and D list celebrities for that entire thing. Like, Ricky Lake was one of the people. I don't even the- know what the hell this show is. Okay, Mask Singer, essentially, is, uh, they, they had nine people come in and and sing perform in front of everybody the the trick is they were in costume and no one knew who the hell they were and antonio brown was the first one out and he was like smiling from ear to ear just shining he was rapping on stage it's like what what is going on in antonio brown's head i mean i'm sure yeah it's a money grab but still like and what like that that was the start (laughs) Had to be the start. So Bill Simmons, kudos, man. I'm sure you don't listen to our podcast, but kudos for being uh, being the beacon of of knowledge here, of where it all started to go poorly for Antonio you Brown. You just
1: don't know what what exactly he's thinking at this point. And now it seems like more than likely he's going to have to go back to Pittsburgh, right? I mean, unless something comes through here, this seems like this was the closest thing he would have gotten, and. You know, Kevin Colbert can say all he wants that Antonio Brown will not dictate, uh, you know, where he goes. But a smart GM on the other side, which you can take some solace in this if you're a Bills fan, is going to say, can we make sure this guy wants to come here before we agree on, you know, the whole, you know, compensation and before we put the paperwork in? Can we make sure that uh, he's willing to come to Buffalo? Right. You know, and any smart GM would say that. So... Sure, Antonio Brown might not be, quote unquote, giving, you know, the the Steelers a list of teams and saying, This is the only place I will go. But if if he's gonna be able to sit there and say, Well, I'm not going there, look, we all dictate our situations in in some respect. People can say, Well, Dre Archer had no control over where he would go. He got signed by the Bills, he's gotta go to the Bills. Dre Archer said, No, I don't. I'm gonna fade off into oblivion and (laughs) become the uh, title of an award on the bills beat podcast instead which was you know possibly a good choice for him who knows longevity but you know antonio brown does kind of hold the cards here because if he refuses to go somewhere or if he's going to sit out a season like his his teammate just did yep then yeah you can control stuff it's not um an ideal way to play it if you want to play football but you know he did have some control and Good on the bills for, you know, checking that box. Because, like I said, they didn't check that box when they made the LaShawn McCoy trade. Right. It ended up working out okay. And maybe they could have played hardball and said, "Yeah, we'll make the trade anyways and see if he'll come here. But uh, I think probably the right move to not bring that firestorm into a, yeah. a locker room that they've, you know, worked to create.
0: Yeah, they're quite literally just trying to establish it. That's all, like, where's he going to go? Just... It just seems like it's inevitable that New England happens somehow, right? I mean, I, maybe Pittsburgh doesn't do it out of spite because they've been such close. That rivals. would be kind
1: of insane for Pittsburgh to do. Now that I think about it, because everybody brings up New England, but right, you're just making your path to the Super Bowl that much harder. You're getting rid of probably your best player, right. and giving him to your biggest competitor. But
0: it's the only one that makes sense because New England is the only one that maintains the cap room. They're willing to spend for a for a big uh, for a big time wide receiver. They did it with Moss all those years ago. They I mean there is a lot of value in that and they know their window with Brady isn't exactly the biggest and it probably coincides with Antonio Brown's window. Which by the way, if we're going back to what the Bills were thinking here, I mean you've got you're trying to surround Josh Allen with the best possible targets, of course. That's that's the ultimate goal to make him a success because if he becomes a success then the then everyone else around him doesn't matter. That it it's really That simple. But in the early stages of his career, who they surround around him does matter. Because that is the building stages, the building blocks of his career. And for Antonio Brown, who will be 31 as of July 10th, he is a phenomenal player right now. And there is really no debating that. I mean, he is averaged, outside of his rookie year, he is averaged either... 12 yards per catch or more I mean he's had 100 yard catches the past six seasons I mean he is incredible however it's it's also a little bit of the LaShawn McCoy discussion too like when does that start to go while he doesn't necessarily like have the explosive uh characteristics he also is able to win on those deep routes a lot which is something that uh, he gets targeted quite a bit and that would be a fit for Josh Allen but how much longer is that going to be a thing for him? And if the, if the
1: Bills were i I'd say he's got, what, you think three years, well, four maybe? he's 31, though. It could fall off at any exactly. point. Exactly. He's a smaller guy. So, you know, I don't—I
0: do not uh, criticize the Bills for trying to go to, you know, really kick the tires on this to figure out if they can make it work. But this might wind up being the best thing that never happened to them, perhaps, because— they they would have had to, you would think, get him to a new contract in order for him to come to Buffalo. That's what they had to do with LaShawn McCoy too, and it, it's just part of part of the uh, the rite of passage to get a big star to Buffalo, right? So in order to do that, that would probably would have either a extended the life of his contract into his year thirty four or thirty five season, which would not have been conducive to their long term plans, and b because you know that cap hit. Would have been stark for the next for the next two three years, and odds are if you're if you're trying to convince someone to come to Buffalo, you are not going to be able to be as shrewd with the contract as you are with a lot of other players in the league. So their hands would have been tied with a lot. It it could have wound up being a bad contract down the line of it, but then you weigh okay is two to three years of you know a great player worth. Um, worth the headache of, of cap trouble down the line. I don't know. I, it, I'm so conflicted by this because uh, some sometimes in my brain I go it's going, yeah, that's a, that's a logical move from a football perspective. And if they would have been able to not give up a, a terrible amount of value, like I think, I know you saw this as well as I did. Someone reported, I can't find it anymore. And I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Somebody must have deleted Somebody it. Somebody must have deleted it that said it was a swap of firsts and, and a future pick. And, you know, again, can't find that. Saw it this morning. I did wake up with my boy Fritz at 4.45 in the morning and saw, saw it somewhere. So maybe I'm going insane. But the fact that you said you saw it too also also helps uh, my insanity here and in thinking that I'm not actually going crazy. But if it was that, that's totally doable. And you could stomach the cap hit over the course of time. However... If it was substantial draft compensation, then that that doesn't make a whole lot of sense and questions everything I thought I knew about Brandon Bean. So there there are just so many thoughts rolling around in my head. I'm sorry that I didn't make a clear as day point, but I'm sure Bills fans are kind of doing the same same shit,
1: right? You know what I think is, you know, interesting about the whole thing is, you know, we talk about Josh Allen's development, which is obviously really important to this team. You know, what's funny is the conversation has always been, you know. Get the quarterback and nothing else matters. And now it seems like it's get the right pieces so the quarterback can be good. If Josh Allen is good, he will be good at some point. You know whether it's in 2019 or 2020. Beyond that, uh, if it takes that long, then he's probably not that good. But of course, you want to surround him with weapons. Of course, you want to get him a better offensive line. But if he is good, he will be good. That's generally how these these quarterback. Uh, development developmental curves happen. Now, if you're worried about the situation you're putting him in and who you're surrounding him with, this is where I say if Antonio Brown were a Larry Fitzgerald or A.J. Green type of guy, then it would be a no-brainer uh, that it would be good for his development. Antonio Brown is very much not that right now. At mm-hmm. one point, I think he kind of was. Mm-hmm. He's very much not that at the moment. I mean,
0: you cannot have the success that he's had without being a an incredible legendary work ethic type. Oh, and of he guy. still has
1: that. That right. the work ethic is not the problem. But the problem is if Josh Allen has a game like he had in Green Bay last year, where he can't hit the broadside of a barn and he's you know, Antonio Brown leaves the game with two catches for twenty-one yards. And then you know it goes three weeks and he hasn't scored a touchdown and he hasn't had a hundred yard game. Then what happens? Mm -hmm. And you know you've got young receivers in the room or whatever whatever it is. Then you wonder what's this guy gonna do? Is he gonna eat our young quarterback alive? I don't. Again, I I think if Josh Allen gets eaten alive by that, then he wasn't gonna be good to begin with. So it, it probably isn't a major concern. But you. It, it begs the question of where do they think they are in terms of building this culture in the locker room because the reason the Patriots take so many risks on guys is because they feel comfort, comfortable about the locker room they have being able to absorb those guys and get them to stay in line. People will scoff at that and say the Patriot way doesn't exist and all this BS, but the, the fact of the matter is it does. Mm-hmm. And that's a, it's a real thing because I think people confuse – the quote-unquote Patriot way as we'll never take a chance on guys like that. That's never been what it was about. It was once they got the locker room to a point where they felt like they could sustain those, you know, they could absorb those personalities and make it work. That's the Patriot way is how they do things. It's not the fact that they won't. I mean, they brought in they brought in some real wackos to that locker room. Yeah. Corey Dillon, uh, Ocho Cinco. I know. They brought in Albert Haynesworth at one point. Chad Senko right? might be one of my favorite players of all time. Chad Senko is great. He's just giving away money on Twitter right now. So if you're uh, on there, he tipped somebody like 300 bucks yesterday. He paid off somebody's rent to make sure they wouldn't get evicted a couple weeks ago. It's uh, he's doing. He's a great guy. Yeah. but he's a little bit of a, a wacko. Oh uh, yes, yeah. specifically uh, you know, during his career, during his playing days. Albert Hainsworth they brought in at one point. Did they not, if I'm remembering correctly? Randy Moss is another example. Correctly. Uh, Josh Gordon uh, they brought in. They do this all the time. How about Alan Branch, even? Right. I mean, Alan Branch had some stuff. They do some smaller risks, too, yeah. um, You know that kind of fly under the radar. But, again, the reason they can do it is because they feel like they've built a locker room and a culture and that they can bring guys into, and things will be fine. Also, guys— tend to fall in line a little bit more when they're playing for a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. That's just kind of the way uh, the way of the world. So, you know, you can scoff at culture and locker room stuff, and I get it, and you can scoff at the Patriot way and, and hate New England all you want, but the reason they can do that is because they've they've built that, you know, that insulation a little bit that, that allows them to do it. Do the Bills feel like they're close enough to that that they could do this? Evidently they do because they were ready to, you know— move forward on a deal with Antonio Brown until he decided he didn't want to be in Buffalo. Now, the fact of the matter is you can take that as a a slight on Buffalo, which I'm sure many people will. Yeah. But if Josh Allen is Ben Roethlisberger in five years, they're not going to have this problem. Yep.
0: Same thing with Sean McDermott being Bill Belichick.
1: If you think that guys love living in Green Bay and it's a great place to live, Compared to Buffalo, you're out of your mind. I mean, there's not a great deal of difference there. Buffalo is a bigger place. I mean, Green Bay is great. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. Yeah, for sure. uh, You know, I I like it there. It's it's a nice place, but there's not much of a difference other than the fact that a future Hall of Fame quarterback is playing in Green Bay, and people don't know what Josh Allen is uh, and whether he's that type of guy. So, if he becomes that guy, this problem will disappear. Yeah, faster than than you can imagine. And. You won't have to worry about people sliding Buffalo because I think this is as much about Josh Allen as it is about and about the city because, yeah. you know, Antonio Brown isn't like, I hate chicken wings and the Skyway is an eyesore. <laughs> I'm not going up there. You know, he's, he's looking at that saying, I probably can't win. an eyesore win. <laughs> for what it's worth. He's looking at it saying, I probably can't win. And I don't know if that quarterback is ready to help me put up 1,500 yards. I don't think he—I'm sure the, the winter and all that and, you know, Buffalo is a part of it, but he was playing three hours south of here uh, in a city that's really just a like Buffalo's big brother in some ways. It's just like a slightly bigger, you know, version of, of Buffalo. I
0: mean, they were on the same track for a long time, and then the steel industry right. went kaput, and, and Pittsburgh adapted, and Buffalo did not, and the Buffalo's trying to adapt now and getting better. But— To your points, which I think are very good ones, when you have an established entity or entities of leadership to where there are no conversations within the building of, man, if only we did this differently. The law is just the law in New England, and Buffalo doesn't have that. So when if you have an organization – that doesn't have the law established, which is the term we'll use for for this whole exercise. If you do not have that, it is so much easier for there to be uprisings within the locker room. And that is what you don't want. I mean, Sean McDermott has done an incredibly good job of keeping a lot of different egos in check Throughout the past couple of years, and I think you know, having building the type of leadership, and we talk about the whole culture thing, what have you. It's kind of a, a thing to laugh at because he he talks so highly of it, but he really believes in it. And, and not
1: for nothing, it's it is important in it football. Is, like, in
0: football, especially. I mean, basketball is a little bit different. Baseball is a little different. Hockey is a little bit different. But in in football, because there is such a large collection of ego. And the scope of the roster is bigger than any other team.
1: There are 11 guys on the field at once that have to be willing to kind uh, of—I forget who wrote about it. I think it was actually in Wright Thompson's piece about the combine. You have to be willing to absorb a certain amount of pain and, you know, give up an amount of yourself that— Not necessarily, it's not that it doesn't exist in other sports. It's just that there are 11 guys on the field, 22 starters, and what? How many guys see the field on a given day? So many that it is, it's a thing. So McDermott has done a good job of doing it so far in the first two years. But if you think
0: it, it is, he has established himself as the law in Buffalo at this point, that hasn't happened just yet. I mean, you know what helps establish the law? Sustained winning and it goes in line with Josh Allen too right because he's a young quarterback showed some promise at the end of the year but if you have a veteran player who has had had the sustained success in in a different spot and that rookie starts to struggle then perhaps that veteran starts to you know perform an uprising and that's that's all why you you kind of have to establish things in house, before you add these volatile personalities. Because until you have those things firmly established, then it quite possibly becomes a recipe for disaster at the first or second sign of things not going their way. And that is why I think in my head, like, this is, this might be the best thing that didn't happen for the Bills. This might be the best thing that didn't happen for Brandon Bean. The on field results, because he's an incredible player obviously going to suffer, but if they're trying to do this thing the right way, it almost felt as though it maybe was a bit of a shortcut. And again, it's tough to say that because Brown is such an incredible player and he would have upgraded their wide receiver room immediately, but also he would have been the leader in the wide receiver room. We hear Sean McDermott talk all the time about having a leader in each one of the positional groups, right? And is Antonio Brown a leader? Are all of his wide receiver guys going to bleach their mustaches? And th- I mean, th- this is it-, it would be fun. I'd but- like to
1: see Robert Foster bleach his mustache. Right,
0: everybody. But this is this is more about what type of leader is he? Would he lead them in the way that Sean McDermott wants to lead them, or would he lead them to the potential uprising of what I'm talking about, which is where they start to tune out both the head coach and the quarterback, which is something they want to avoid wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah, I think it would have been. An amazing move if, as soon as Antonio Brown caught wind, he said, great, let's rework my contract, and if you do that, I'm all in. Right. And he became a bit more of the guy he was before, I don't know, how long has he been acting like a crazy person in Pittsburgh? Like a year-ish? A little more than a year, maybe? Yeah, probably. If he became the guy he was early in his career, he could have been amazing on the field, and he could have been amazing in the room because the way he works— If guys emulated that, that would be great for the Bills. But obviously we know that wasn't going to be the case because he said, you know, he didn't want to play here. I mean, he shut this whole thing down. And so that's where the Bills, you know, I think it tells you what they think of their room, that they could have brought this guy in. It tells you what they think of Sean McDermott because they thought they could handle this guy. Because Brandon Bean doesn't pick up the phone on Tuesday if he's not ready to follow all the way through. Mm-hmm. He's not one to just you know beat around the bush and uh, just gently kick the tires. He kind of goes all in when he's ready to make a move. And he obviously thought about it a lot. He didn't just wake up and be like, you know what? Let's see what Antonio Brown, the Steelers, are up to with Antonio Brown today. You know, they they mapped this out and they thought they were re- ready to bring a guy like that in. And so. I think what that tells you going forward is that they're willing to take a chance on some guys. Mm -hmm. And I think they're more than willing or they will be more willing to take chances on guys potentially in the draft because they feel like they can mold those guys in a culture that's already established in a locker room. That's already somewhat built. You know, you've still got guys like, Lorenzo Alexander, uh, you know, that are are leaders in that room. And so, and maybe they'll, they'll be willing to, to bend the rules a little bit in free agency and take a chance on a guy. But you're not going to, you're running, it's a fine line of overpaying for a guy who isn't worth it and who isn't going to put in the work. Whereas Antonio Brown, if they would have, you know, paid him what he wanted and brought him here, he's going to put in the work and he's got even more to prove and you know he's he's an amazing player nobody's ever going to question that as opposed to some of the other guys that are on the free agent but market but then
0: that brings us back to the roster building point like okay if you're if you're tapping in and potentially giving 20 million of your now almost 76 million in cap space to Antonio Brown this season then are you doing yourself a bit of a disservice whereas you That's why I've been so eager to see how what they would do with all of these resources now that they have them, right? I mean, this is—they have the draft picks, they have all this cap space, and essentially a blank slate to do whatever the hell they want. But is putting a substantial amount of those resources into Antonio Brown the thing that will push them over the top, while they still have a lot of needs along the offensive line— they still have a lot of or a, a couple of big needs on defense. and you know, certainly you want to route, you want to get a, a young runner, you want to get a tight end. I mean there, there are a lot of different things that they have to do. How much does that guy mask all of that? And how much does that prohibit them from doing some of the other things they wanted to do, like whether it be a Matt Paradis or a Daryl Williams or Mitch Morse. What, what have you? I mean, there, See, I there hesitate are so many different to,
1: I hesitate to place bigger meaning on this. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, if they were going after Antonio Brown, maybe they'll spend $11 million on Adam Humphreys. So, you know, they're going to get crazy with it. True. And, yeah, you know, I, don't th- or, I don't think that's the case. Or that they're, you know, I think what this was, was, all right, we have a chance to potentially get a Hall of Fame player at a discount who still has a few years in his prime. Totally fair. Let's see if we can try to do it. That doesn't mean they'll spend $11 million on Adam Humphreys. It doesn't even necessarily... I think they could have... It's a unique situation where their cap is so clean right now that they could have absorbed that for a few years, and then by the time they needed to extend some of their own, found a way to move on. And I think you know, it doesn't say a ton about what they'll do in free agency because an Antonio Brown-caliber player isn't available... At any position in free agency, except mm-hmm. especially after Demarcus Lawrence and Jadavian Clowney were tagged, and not even saying that those guys are on that level. So, does it mean they'll overpay for uh, you know any number of receivers? I don't think that it does, but I think it shows you that they're willing to go for it. Right. All these complaints about you know oh they'll never bring in this guy because of X reason, they'll kind of do anything. Uh, mm-hmm. And and Brandon Bean has been. Uh, shrewd. He's been aggressive and he's taken some chances. Not all of them have worked out, obviously, Kelvin Benjamin being chief among them. But when there's an opportunity for value, which I think this was, and that's what it became more and more when I heard people talk about, oh, maybe you can get Antonio Brown for a second round pick. Then I thought, why wouldn't the Bills do that? Because they're one of a handful of teams in the league that have more cap space than they know what to do with and that they'll be able to spend. So, it it was a rare opportunity and kudos to Brandon mean for giving it a shot. And the fact that Antonio, it seems like the only thing holding this up is that Antonio Brown didn't want to come to Buffalo, whether that's because they wouldn't rework his contract, whether it's because he didn't want to play for Josh Allen, whether it's, he wants to try to win a Super bowl Uh, Evidently not. If like Washington and Oakland are being brought up because those teams blow. But I, I mean, you're looking at a situation where the bills made an aggressive move, and came up a little short due to no fault of their own. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, a win winning situation for Brandon Bean because he gets kind of the the public admiration right. for taking a shot. Right. And Antonio Brown's the villain, not yep. them. Yep. And that that's what it comes down to.
0: And also at the end of it, it showed Brandon Bean having strength going, yeah, we're out right he put <laughs> or at his least put putting it out and, there that that he put his foot down like, yeah and, yeah you're not gonna you're not gonna mess with us
1: right it's not gonna be they're not gonna be taken advantage of they' he kind of did this last year last year he was in a really pretty much the worst spot you can be from a negotiating standpoint he's sitting there with all these chips mm-hmm. and everybody knows he wants to go all in for a quarterback everybody can see everything he's got and they knew he was desperate to get up for a quarterback. And they they tried to kind of, you know, they could have had to give up a lot more. Uh, a, a GM who is was a less savvy might have given up more. Now, not to say that the Bills got up, got a great deal. And, you know, they had to give up a lot. But. They didn't give up a future first-round pick, mm-hmm. and I think that was a big deal to them. That was a, something that he was going to stick to, and he pulled it off in a situation where, man, you don't want to be in that spot when you're negotiating. The most
0: impressive move that he made last offseason, bar none, which, which um, paved the way for them to move up to get Josh Allen. Was flipping Cordy
1: Glenn to Cincinnati. You could all. I would also say getting a third round pick for Tyrod Taylor. Well,
0: that was great, but the reason why I say but Cordy, Cordy Glenn too, yeah, because was, his contract is freaking terrible, and there's he's he wasn't not, good last year. No, he wasn't. He is not the player that he once was when when he signed the contract, and that that part of it. I mean, he knew flat away that. Cordy Glenn needed to go. He needed to be off the roster. wasn't one of their guys.
1: Maybe didn't have the work ethic that uh, that they would like out of out of their players. And, and that's a good point too. Work, work ethic is what is one of their guys. Yeah, guys who live and breathe football, not guys who you know never go out to the club. It's guys who work. And mm-hmm. I think you're right about. But go on. I, yeah. I just wanted to make that point.
0: No, Cordy Glenn at, at that at that vein was. They flipped him. I don't know what the... I mean, Cincinnati was thinking, all right, we need to fix our offensive line. There's not going to be an offensive tackle on the board at... Where'd they move up to? 12, was it? Yeah. Um, it's not going to be available to us at 12. Uh, and and all right, let's just get Cordy, get the contract. We have the cap space and move down nine slots. Bingo, bango, we're good. But for Bean, that was everything to him because now that meant for Tampa Bay, they didn't have to move down a, a crap ton. Or if even if they got the deal done with Denver, I mean, that would have meant that they only moved down to 12 rather than to taking, hey, here's 21 and 22. Uh, And Denver goes, well, we're not going to get a caliber of product or prospect that we want here. So that was a good part. The other part of this, if I misrepresented the point I made before, I apologize, but I didn't mean this to sound like, Hey, now that they went after Antonio Brown, they're gonna be up for eleven million for,
1: for Adam. No, Humphers. no, no. I just wanted to Oh right. Okay. Because somebody asked actually asked us a question oh, did they? Of, Okay. um, you know, what does this mean they could now do with wide receiver and free agency? And I, I just hesitate people to make that leap. I'm not saying right. you were making Oh, that okay. Leap. Well well,
0: be it as it may, I think if anything that this signals for what they could do on the free agent market is that he's going to take advantage of situations and not
1: overpay. And potentially I'm, explore the trade market because true. Antonio Brown's not the only wide receiver that could potentially be moved you trying at some to, you point. You trying to get in the Odell Beckham conversation? It, <laughs> I actually wasn't even thinking of Odell Beckham, but... That's another pod for another day. But that's a... a you gentlemen, know, y'all! It shows that they will not necessarily shy away from... I mean, guys like Deshaun Jackson are out there. I know people have floated the idea of A.J. Green, which I don't think is super realistic, but, you know, it shows that they will at least kind of explore these ideas. And, you know, Brandon Bean has been in these, I think he's in a much better leverage spot now. Oh, yeah. I mean, you talked about Cordy Glenn. We talked about the draft trade-up. And I had forgotten about Tyrod Taylor until I mentioned it. They Everybody knew they wanted to move on from Tyrod Taylor, and yet somehow they got a third-round pick for him, which was Still another key piece that they needed. And Tyrod Taylor was on the bench by, what, October? So that was another great trade. That, he's done this before a few different times. I mean, obviously, spending a third-round pick for Kelvin Benjamin was a bit of a waste, um, but he's done this before where when it seems like he has no leverage, he finds a way to make a trade, which, you know, if they weren't so attached to LaShawn McCoy like he was their binky, I would say now now's the time to work your magic on that as well. Mm-hmm. Because think about, you know— The more ammunition you have, the better off you are if you're trying to wheel and deal throughout an offseason. But I think his willingness to stick his neck out there and make deals is kind of unlike a lot of GMs in the league. Right, and I think this is a point, especially for Buffalo
0: and and Bills fans that have been so used to their team being uh, being one that goes, ah, well, they're not going to do that. They're not going to go for the high-caliber guy. I think what Brandon Bean is signaling, because as you pointed out, he gets the credit for making the deal, even though he didn't have to make the deal and he doesn't have to put up with the headache about whether or not Antonio Brown's going to show up. That is a Michael Scott exclusive win, win, win for Brandon Bean. But what I think what he's done, which is the win for Bills fans here, is he's opened up the mind saying, it's okay to think big. Like Antonio Brown, to me, I'm like, yeah, would they do it? maybe if the value's there, but still probably not. But that just goes to show what lengths that Brandon Bean will go to to try and make a deal, which is why, and I want to put a pin in this part of the discussion for next week before free agency gets into gear, which is why I think we should have an Odell Beckham Jr. discussion. I really do. Why not, right? I mean, this is, it's clearly a, a position of need. You just shifted in your seat, which means you felt a little uncomfortable about it. Um, it it's a, it's a little bit it's a little bit uh, of a a different discussion because it's more value that you'd have to send for that guy. But still, it's the he's same type. So freaking of good! Dude. I know he's incredible, and it's it's the exact type of receiver that you would want for a Josh Allen. Uh, but so let's let's put a pin in that. Let's do that next the week. The
1: problem with that is fire up the listeners next that week. you know your leverage is a little bit different because Antonio Brown is like, I'm not coming back here. And it's been so public. Whereas the Odell Beckham thing is like, yeah, we're going to keep, like Odell Beckham's a really good player and we're going to keep him. But, you know, and like you said, he's younger. The value would be different. But it's it's interesting because it I think it underscores the point that, you know, there's going to be some fear in Bills fans now that Antonio Brown said no. Buffalo, I don't think
0: that should be the case at all. He's
1: the latest in a long line of players who have said no to Buffalo. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you're a wide receiver, it's not an attractive place to be, probably more because of the quarterback right now, where, you know, just outside perception, than about the weather or the city itself. Because, let's face it, there are a lot of cities in the NFL that are that are worse than Buffalo to live in. Quite a few. Um, But maybe that means that you either need to trade for a guy that doesn't really have a choice, Mm -hmm. or you draft and develop and find that guy because Mm -hmm. that's where some of the best receivers in this franchise's history have have come through the draft. That's generally how you do it. Does that mean they're going to take a guy at nine? Maybe it does. Maybe it means like this whole idea that, there seems to be a weird, uh, even though DK Metcalf gets mocked to the Bills a lot, there seems to be kind of this general. Oh, I don't know if the Bills would would. It's it's almost too flashy for the Bills. It's like you said, we can't we can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. But like Brandon Bean thinks big, and and he's willing to roll the dice. Am I saying DK Metcalf at nine? I'm not there yet. Right. But they're willing to take some chances on guys, and and they've recognized. The difference, this whole uh, last week when they said, oh, we don't necessarily need a number one wide receiver. Stop taking what they say so literally because that just means we don't necessarily need it. If we don't get it, don't panic, which I think they truly believe. It also doesn't mean we're never going to explore the idea. Mm -hmm. It it, it also doesn't mean it wouldn't be nice to have. Of course it would. Why wouldn't you want Julio Jones or Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham Jr.? You'd be crazy not to want those guys. And the idea that those guys don't win or whatever, I think that's that's garbage. I think if one of those if you draft one of those guys, you're not gonna be pissed. If you draft a guy and he becomes Antonio Brown, you're not like, oh crap, we're never gonna win because we have a number one receiver now. Right. I mean, it so they're willing to go after that. And I, I think that's a good sign and it it could set the table for what could be a an interesting month and a half here uh, sure. as you know he, he definitely wet the appetite brandon bead did for uh, free agency and the draft and everything else to come
0: oh he most certainly did it's a, it's a one step at a time situation so before we get to the dk metcalf discussion first we have to figure out what exactly they're going to do both on um, the free agent and trade market if they want to go down that avenue again so the so uh we'll we'll get into all that next week quickly before we go Come on, Darlene results. Forgot about that and That's all this right. Antonio Brown. This is this might even be bigger than the Antonio Brown news, which means we now have a final four. So, to quickly go through it, and I and I drew the matchups for the for the final four already. In the first matchup, Jerry Hughes for pretending that screaming at the official in the tunnel after the game never happened, only 15 minutes after it happened versus the fan that had Vikings jersey customized to Pack or Suck and using the number 61 rather than the obvious 69. Jerry Hughes moves to the final four. 81 to 19 percent. Blowout City. The second matchup, ass ripping press box man versus Matthew Fairburn for not extending the long standing Blaine Gabbard streak on the previous episode. Do you think he moved on? I don't think so. You are in the final four, my oh, friend. Wow. Matthew Fairburn for not extending the long standing Blaine Gabbard streak moves on 56 to 44 percent. A Tight matchup. hmm The third matchup, Sean McDermott for saying, I've got to watch the tape to discuss the performance of Nathan Peterman against the Ravens versus Tom Coughlin for screaming like an infant in the press box when things weren't going the Jaguars' way. Sean McDermott. Of course, Sean McDermott moves on 85 to 15%. And the final matchup, Twitter man that said he'd rather have a second vasectomy done to him before watching another Bills game versus Vontae Davis for not only retiring mid-game but for leaving the stadium altogether at halftime. Of course, Vontae Davis moves along 93 to 7%. He's gaining steam. A behemoth, (laughs) a behemoth. Okay, so the final four matchups. Are you ready? First matchup, Jerry Hughes for pretending that screaming at the official in the tunnel after the game never happened only 15 minutes after it happened versus, and this was random drawing, by the way. Sean McDermott for saying, I've got to watch the tape to discuss the performance of Nathan Peterman against the Ravens. Woo! Setting up for the final that we all talked about. And the final matchup is Matthew Fairburn for not extending the long-standing Blaine Gabbert streak on the previous episode. Congratulations for getting in the final four, by the way, but your stay will be short-lived because you'll be up against Vontae Davis for not only
1: retiring mid-game, but for leaving the stadium altogether at halftime. Wow. This bracket tells the story of the 2018... 2018- Bills season that only Bills beat listeners would understand. (laughs) Because if you said, Vontae Davis, Jerry Hughes, I've got to watch the tape, and Blaine Gabbert is the story of the 2018 (laughs) Bills season, only the people who listen to this show would understand that. The first three people would say, okay, yeah, I remember all those things. What what the hell is this Blaine Gabbert business about? He didn't even play, and... He did play against the Bills, but he didn't even play in that game. Uh, Ten years from now, people might say, "Was Blaine Gabbert the quarterback in 2018?" <laughs> if you told them this story, but listeners will understand. I like that. This is pretty much the perfect Final Four.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. So, uh, yeah, that that uh, that vote will be available to you today. Just go ahead and find the link, same way, right in the SoundCloud info, or you can tweet at uh, Fairburn and I. Hashtag come on, Darlene. So there you have it. We have the final four. Antonio Brown, not a member of the Buffalo Bills. Free agency next week. We're going to have
1: a cursory conversation about Odell Beckham next week because why the hell not. Now we have to. Now I'm going to text Brandon Bean every night at 3 in the morning and say, uh, are you trading for Odell Beckham? Are you trading for... X player that's on the market. OBJ question mark. Strange things happen at 3 a.m. apparently. Yeah, they sure do. All
0: right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Bills Beat. I think this was good. This this kind of helped everybody kind of work through it. I didn't know exactly what I was going to say heading into the podcast, which mean all usually makes for a pretty good podcast because then, you know, Okay, it's, it's all fluid. You're trying to figure this thing out because there are just so many thoughts that go into a situation as complex as this. All right, so for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening once again. Free agency starts next week. We'll uh, get at you before the official start of free agency and talk to you then. Take care.